Are you interested in reaching the highest quality care and operational efficiency while advancing your professional development? Learn what it takes to enhance your agency's operational efficiency as a certified hospice or home health professional operator. We created a customized two-and-a-half-day in-person certification workshop that will focus on building the skills and knowledge you need for operational excellence. Register today and earn your valuable credential. For more information, visit us at cfe.chapinc.org. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to this Chapcast, where we're going to be uh, talking with uh, my colleague, Sharon Litwin, about a really important topic that actually she and I talked about a couple months ago, and we thought, wow, this would make a great Chapcast. But before we get into the details, I'd like to uh, have Sharon introduce herself and tell you what she does here at Chap. Thanks, Jennifer. Um, I'm Sharon Litwin and I'm a nurse and um, have a master's in health administration. I'm also coding certified, so that'll tell you that I also do coding. But here at CHAP, I am the clinical support specialist. And that means primarily doing a lot of education and a lot of training, both for our site visitors as well as anybody out there, uh, clients, customers, and just people at agencies. Um, and that kind of, you know, has taken from I've been, uh, I've had a consulting firm for the last 20 years. And so that leads right into as I sold that company, now I'm doing training specifically for Chuck. I was also a CHAP surveyor for five years uh, in the, I guess, about 2003 on. Um, so I kind of had my foot in the door with CHAP for a very long time. And that's positive for us. And that's so great that you were an uh, actual site visitor because you bring all that knowledge indoors and um, develop the education that our site visitors need. And then, uh, you know, be their guide or their educational guru, if you will, uh, <laughs> of all things that they need to know. So you and I were talking uh, uh, about a month ago when all of this uh, CMS mandatory vaccine um, guidance popped out. And um, you and I sort of hit on uh, an item that concerned us both, I would say. And it, it was the contractor piece is how are hospices and home health uh, organizations really going to track that uh, con contractor piece of the mandatory vaccine? So um, I, I thought, wow, this would be a great uh, uh, chap cast, and here we are today. So um, how do you think organizations um, are either doing or warming up to this task of making sure that uh, they're tracking mandatory vaccines for those folks that they contract services with? Well, I think that when you and I talked, we talked about how it opened up such a can of worms because tracking any of the mandatory um, areas for contractors is really difficult. So now having the vaccine mandate for healthcare workers and having to ensure that your contractors are also vaccinated, um, I think is a struggle for agencies because, or I should say very challenging for agencies because now that entails not only tracking all of their staff, which is difficult, 
But now saying, okay, 100% of the contractors that we have that are taking care of our patients, we have to see that they have been vaccinated. Now, I said you have to see it. I feel that's best practice. If you say to your contractors, companies, uh, send me the list to show that everybody's vaccinated, that may suffice. Um, are agencies doing that? Are they even getting that that shows um, a list with all of the contractors and when their vaccinations, their first doses, second doses, and now boosters are? And of course, this probably is going to be ongoing. Um, well, or are they saying, send me copies of vaccination cards so that we can keep those in the file for Bob the PT and Nancy the OT that works with us? Uh, because if you don't do that, do you really know? But that's why the can of worms was opened up because that goes for every other item as we were discussing. Yeah, and I have to tell you, I've been concerned about this, at least on the hospice side. I can't really speak to home health. That's your arena. But on the hospice side, I've been really concerned for a number of years that ensuring hospice organizations, ensuring that their contractors have their you know, everyone has a criminal background check. Everyone has a current license. Everyone has been competency evaluated. Um, are they really doing it? And is this like one of those simmering back burner issues that will come to boil and then it's a huge compliance issue? You know, now right. we're adding vaccine on there and it's not just like, are you licensed or are you not licensed? It's, um, do you have a vaccine? Do you have the whole dose? Um, are you uh, exempted, uh, you know, through the exemption piece? Are you deferred because of a health issue? There's, this is not just, it's not like black or white. It, it's many shades of gray. So this is it, layers on extra concern for me that um, providers really need to pay attention to this, not only from the vaccine standpoint, but looking at the whole big picture, you know. Absolutely. And when we have policies in place or the agencies have policies in place, for example, for the new vaccine mandate, it, all of the areas that you discussed are challenging within the process and the organization of how they're doing it because who is the identified person that receives the request for exemption, spiritual or medical? Who is tracking that? Who is approving it? Um, for those that are non-vaccinated, what are we doing? Our, is our contingency plan to say they can't do direct patient care? Or is our contingency plan to say they're going to wear N95s and, and da, 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 a whole list of steps and take care of only these low-risk patients, etc.? Agencies are struggling with all of that. And now we have to worry about all the contracted staff. And I see for all the years that I have done, um, oh gosh, hundreds, maybe thousands of mock surveys. And then I was actually a surveyor for another AO too. So 10 years as a surveyor at the same time, I very often saw a lot of weaknesses at both for home health and hospice. And talking about home health, there are so many subcontractors uh, predominantly what I see across the country is therapies 
and, and MSWs, so PTO, TST, MSWs. Um, an awful lot of agencies subcontract. Um, there are a lot of agencies that also have some of their own therapy staff, maybe even social worker, but have to contract for more. Some areas of the country, some settings, it's, it's all contractors. Um, aids in pockets of the country, um, home health agencies even contract out for aids, which is very challenging with competencies, etc. So right, now same for hospice too. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, and and you were saying, you know, wh- what do they know and what do they trust and how do they confirm it? Well, you know, I was a I was brand new consultant. I had left uh, executive director position at um, Mercy, what is Mercy now, um, over all the home care services. And a new consultant, we just started Five Star a few months before that. And one of our very first clients I go into, very small, uh, long-term though, um, um, home health agency that did have a lot of therapists. It was really focusing on that. But the first day that I was there with them, uh, the surveyor came in, state surveyor, for their survey. And the two RNs that they had were contractor RNs. And they had just gotten them, like the week before, because they were predominantly doing therapy, but they realized, "Uh uh-oh, we need to beef up our RNs to do the comprehensive assessments, wound care, et cetera. And lo and behold, the survey surveyor it's it was in a state that has a very strict uh, criminal background check process and it's for pretty much all of healthcare. and lo and behold they ran um, the criminal background check while she was there and found that the one rn came up that she was not even allowed to work in home health um, that her you know, hit, put her to the tear that she couldn't be there. Wow. And so this was, you know, me first day there as a new consultant, the state surveyor who I knew well, um, the administrator, and now here is this nurse who they were going to use as the DPCS. Um, And so it was a lot of trauma, let me tell you. And they ended up, the survey ended up with six condition level deficiencies. Um, And it is probably fortunate that they didn't get an immediate jeopardy for that. Yeah, no kidding. Wow. Mm -hmm. Wow. So that just is a story that shows that, you know, this administrator, he just got these two RNs from a contracted agency that he knew and just trusted everything was done but this was a huge area so that kind of is an egregious story to say what can happen exactly so Sharon we know that contractor use is up because there are shortages in all types of disciplines across the board Um, you know no matter what um, provider type you are home health and hospice are hit just as equally as much so um doing that due diligence with your contractor is is really the piece of compliance that you can't let go of i think um and you know if if we are you know if i'm a provider sitting out there in that um provider chair you know how am i going to ensure that the 
organization or the agency um, I'm getting my contracts from um, has staff who's competent, who um, has all their licensure and their criminal background checks. And now this new layering of mandatory vaccine on top of it, you know, you said you're a consultant. So, you know, what are some strategies that organizations can employ to make sure that they're in compliance, essentially? Right. And I think you said the key in the first sentence, uh, your due diligence. You cannot call, you know, XYZ therapy company for an example and say, oh, we're really short. We need to, you know, work with you. We do the contract. A lot of times the agencies stop at that contract piece and say, okay, we have the contract in place. That company's responsible for everything now. And I've even seen it many times go as far as, Um, You know, I'll give you a quick example, a small agency with an administrator and a DPCS and we're reviewing their clinical records for survey and all of their therapy only clients, which they had quite a few, were completely non-compliant. And finally, we couldn't figure this out because they're multidisciplinary and their nursing were pretty decent. Finally, what they said, it, it, it like was a light bulb. Oh, well, those are therapy only. The contracted company takes care of those. But in essence, they didn't understand that this is your patient, your certification number. And this person, this contractor is working sort of like your staff. You're responsible. Um, so it goes to that level, um, all the way up to the very busy big agency where they have so many contractors and they don't, they just know it's XYZ therapy agency. They're not saying, okay, we have Bob Miller and Nancy Nurse. Those are our two contractors. Number one, that's the key area because I see that happen a lot is that, you know, you're not working with the 50, I don't know how many, they never have 50, but let's say it's a therapy company again, because that's so prevalent in home health. Um, You know, you have these two for your agency. On those two, you're not required to have their files. However, if you don't look at their files and you can, and you can give the contracted agency a checklist that says, here are the things we need. We need you to scan these and send them to us. Or in the old days, fax us. Just keep that fax going so that we can make a file on Bob and Nancy. Um, If you don't do it that way, um, I have actually, where there's therapy companies that are not too thrilled about doing that, well, fine, we'll be there to do a visit with you at your therapy company and we'll check their files. Because we not only want to see... um, you know, the vaccine now, the criminal background check I told you about, but we also obviously have to ensure that their license is current. Um, Well, you can do that in your hospice or home health agency. Go into the system and uh, verify the license. That's very critical to do. Um, Then you can get the areas that we need. We also want to see competencies. Right, that's a big one. It's a big one that agencies miss all of the time. How do you know that Bob is competent? How do you know that Nancy is competent? Um, So that's fine to get a bulk of that from the therapy company who should be ensuring that along the way. But I wouldn't trust that. See what type of competency and even orientation they have. 
you then need to do an orientation on your agency. So at the same time as you're doing an orientation, you can also be assessing competency as you talk about the various aspects. Um, so that's where you can start it. I don't see many agencies having, you know, this interview orientation competency session uh, with the contractors that come in. They're taking care of your patient under your certification number. That's a really important piece. It's huge. Um, it's huge. Mm-hmm. From a, not only a compliance, but a quality standpoint as That's well. right. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what I used to say to clients all of the time is do random quarterly audits. Get information. What education have they had in this last quarter? What are the updates? Now, did you do driver's license updates? You know, what are you doing along the way? And that's when you can catch things. I always say to agencies, one of the most stressful areas of a survey that I've seen over the years, which it should not be, is when the surveyor asks for the the contracts, no big deal. Here are our contracts. Well, now I want to see evidence that, you know, you know that these are competent, they're licensed, they're blah, blah, blah. And so why wait till when I'm there as a surveyor to do that and then have to be calling all the Uh, contracted agencies. And I remember doing that in my past lives as well. But why do that? If you have an ongoing, you know, quality control, I won't say it's actually a quappy. However, if you're talking about competencies, you can have a therapy quality indicator within your quappy program, which then you won't exclude your contractors. You'll pull those into. Right. And it's part of your monitoring process, you know. That's right. You can't just... (laughs) In my mind, you can't just sign a contract and say, yeah, yeah, yep. everything's good to go. Here's the one-time orientation. And, and we know mm-hmm. that staff switch out um, exactly. pretty frequently. So if you yes. oriented um, one uh, uh, staff member, let's say an aide, um, mm-hmm. and, and you don't get that person consistently and they're putting in mm-hmm. another person, well, we have to make sure that person has been That's oriented. Right to the organization and um and i was just going to say on the hospice side you know we remain the manager of the plan of care uh because we're an interdisciplinary team so we have to make sure that that contractor plugs in Mm -hmm. and that you know they're not Mm -hmm. off doing their own thing right right And, and not following the plan of care so it it is a bag of worms isn't it it is Right. And home health, same thing. Since the new COPs in 2018. Right, right. Home health, they have, I mean, it's always supposed to have been that way, but we have COPs on that now too. The one thing I left out is why would you not do supervisory home visits? Now, it might not be the clinical manager. Maybe you'll have, if it's age, you would, but maybe you'll have your PT or your OT going out on visits. Um, If you are in the situation that you don't have a therapist, you can still send the clinical manager out to do um, home visits like you would do with a new hire um, simply because you'll still see the infection control technique. You'll still see, are they following the physician's orders? Uh, What meds are they asking for and looking at? Are patient rights done? And I see that so rarely that agencies do that, and yet as uh, surveyor site visitors all those years and uh, doing mock surveys, 
I would ask for those visits because that's what you want to establish that they are in control. One of the, this has happened to me a lot of times when I had been actually as a surveyor in agencies. I would say half a dozen times in my 10 years of surveying, which when you'll hear it, you, you would be surprised it's that often. I asked to see the schedules so that I know what home visits I'm going to select for the week. And I'll be given back nursing and aid schedules for the week. And I'll say, well, you know, where's your therapy and your MSW too? I need to see those. Oh, okay, well, we'll call the therapy company or we'll call the contracted company to have them send over who's taking care of the patients now and when they're working. That's a way to start out a survey. That's not real positive. Yeah, that's that crazy. Age, <laughs> Who that's would even crazy. say that? <laughs> exactly. And I swear it happened like six times in those 10 years. And so, of course, as a consultant, I would always focus on that. You have to have those schedules in. And you cannot have additional contractors put in and swapping out that the agency, the contracted agency is doing without you having all this upfront due diligence. Um, and so I think that when you look at new staff coming on, that has to be critical when you're talking with the administrator of the contracted company. Yeah. So you know what? I'm, I'm sort of tying all the things together that we've talked about in the last uh, few minutes. So it seems like you, you have to have uh, you have to have a really good process in place right from the get-go, right when you're signing a contract with a staffing agency. You have to have a protocol. You have to have a policy and procedure about how you're going to ensure all of these different things um, are in place. And, um, you know, you're not just leaving it up to luck or checking it. Like you said, when a surveyor is knocking on the door, um, we have mm -hmm. too many other panicky things to go through when a surveyor yeah. is knocking <laughs> right. on the door. The least, you know, I, I think to me, there are some... Um, of what I think are foundational items that you should really never take a hit on during a survey or, right. uh, I'm sorry, dur during a survey, you know, strive to have this be one of them. If you have good control of your, mm -hmm. your contracting um, process, now I'm not saying things won't go awry, but if, you, if you're continuously on top of it, then um, you're managing the outlier situations as they come up. And then That's this wouldn't correct. be a blow up, you know, that you thinking, oh, crap, I have a, a condition level deficiency on mm -hmm. X, Y, and Z because I didn't manage my contractor process correctly. So That's absolutely right. And, and what you're saying is so key. I say that all the time is that you know, you're going to get deficiencies. We have so much to be, you know, that we need to manage. And obviously we all know about documentation and the clinical records is so vulnerable, et cetera, et cetera. You have to fix the things that you are totally in control of and have the responsible parties and have the controls and the processes in place so that you're not hit on these areas. And then we look at both home health and hospice and whatever contractors you are using, that's going to affect your quality outcomes as well. And so we want to have um, agencies that are really focusing on their QRP, focusing on their QAPI. They want to improve outcomes for five-star ratings and every other reason in the world, the most important being taking care of that patient. Well, how can you exclude that whole section of contractors and just say, 
Well, they never get back to us on coordination of care. We don't get their documentation until months later. Well, I always have the same answer, whether I'm standing up in front of 300 people talking about this or one-on-one -on -one in an agency is, you have to hold them accountable. Those are your patients, it's your certification number. If everybody in this room held the companies that don't do that accountable, it would change. So I think that that accountability has to go both ways when we are talking about contractors. Absolutely, and that's you know seriously gonna impact lowering your risk. Um, Absolutely. On the compliance side, and um, that's a great point that you bring up about the impact on um, quality scores as well. So, Sharon, I want to thank you so much for taking a few minutes out of your day to talk about this important topic, particularly now that we're in a, a uh, like this unprecedented time of staffing. Uh, um, I don't even know what the word is uh, to describe yeah. it. Craziness? I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but you know, it, as things are, are moving along uh, with healthcare, you know, I don't think we're going to be um, uh, staffed up like within a couple of months. I think this is going to be an impact that happens um, over a period of years, and, and many providers are going to have to use contractors. So right. uh, really having a good plan, doing your due diligence up front, and um, incorporating a lot of the good strategies that you offer today helps them reduce the risk in a, in a serious way. So thank you. Any last tips for our listeners out there uh, in, in Chapcast land? Well, I was going to say that you got me on a good subject because you can hear by the examples and scenarios I've given you that I've been on the soapbox for this for a long time. And I think that I, I liked this opportunity because we could talk about what can you do about it? How can you ensure that you're not only compliant for surveys, but your quality is there with your contractors, uh, but you just have to stay on top of it. So I appreciate the opportunity to talk about this subject, Jennifer. Thanks so much again, Sharon, for, for taking a few minutes out of your day to join us. So uh, for those of you uh, listening out there, um, thank you for joining today uh, and listening to my uh extremely educated guest Sharon Litwin from CHAP and we hope that you will uh, join the next CHAP cast for whatever exciting topic that we'll bring and um, till that time please stay safe and well. 